Hey, everybody, welcome to episode number 113 of the Debt Free Dad podcast. Today, we are taking some time to answer your financial questions, and we got some good ones today. Today, we're going to be talking all about sinking funds and saving, irregular income, fixed incomes, budgeting, medical bills, and so much more. We can't wait to dive into these questions and give our take on if we were you, what we would do in your situation. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Debt-Free Dad Podcast, where we're helping normal, everyday people learn how to save money and kick debt so they can live a happier and stress-free life. Now, here's your host, Debt-Free Dad, Brad Nelson. Hey, 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 how is everyone doing today? You can find me on Facebook, Pinterest, YouTube, and Instagram. Just search Brad Nelson, Debt-Free Dad, and welcome to... Uh, today's show and to get all the resources, show notes and links for today's show, including uh, our brand new free Life Without Payments workshop that we just updated and completely overhauled. If you guys want to go check, take a look at that and check that out, if, if you've been listening to the podcast and you're like, man, how do I get started with some of this stuff? Like what you guys are talking about is interesting. Like what are kind of the key things I need to focus on? Uh, you can head over to the website, balancesense.com forward slash 113. Again, that's B-A-L-A-N-C-E-D-C-E-N-T-S.com forward slash 113. And that Live Without Payments workshop is absolutely free for you to participate in. And uh, we give you a lot of great information. And it's the same exact process and same exact success path that our Roots members are following uh, that you guys have heard so many uh, great success stories on of people paying off and uh, tens and tens of thousands of dollars. So uh, make sure you guys go over there and check that out. So uh, we are back with a Q&A show. Uh, if you guys remember back on when we celebrated our episode 100, uh, we did our very first Q&A show, and we loved it. We got a lot of great feedback on that. In fact, we've had more requests from our listeners uh, over the last few months since we started the new year uh, to make sure we do some more of these shows. So that's why we're doing another Q&A show. Uh, so guys, I'm excited about this. And the first one that we're going to talk to is Sierra Wall. And Sierra's first question is, what percentage or dollar amount do you put back for your children's savings? So who wants to go first, Ryan or Amber? <laughs> what would you, if <laughs> this, you are I mean, Sierra? This, I think that's a personal decision. And depending on, you know, where, what, what are you saving for? Are you saving for school? Are you saving for their retirement? Like, what is it that you're saving for? Um, and how much money do you have disposable that you could actually do that? Yeah. I, 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 those would be my, my follow-up questions. But for us, I mean, we're about... $50 every two weeks for our granddaughter for her school. Yeah. And what's your guys's? So when you, when you say that, like what's your guys's overall, so you said school, that's your goal is school. Yeah. And is it to pay for all of it, pay for some of it just to help out? Like what are your, you know, what are your goals for that money? Um, <laughs> our goals are actually, I would, we have, we're in a government program. So when we submit so much the government pays us, puts in a certain amount and matches based on how much we put in. So our goal at the end is to pay for her school with the government amount and pull back our money. Awesome. Love it. Yeah. But I think, I think you're right on. I think I have the same, I would have the same question to Sierra when a asking this or kind of going through this question is number one. Yeah. What I think it all depends on your goals. Um, you know, we, we save for our kids, but I, I think there's also, uh, there's a part of this though that needs to be addressed in that there's also a right time to save for your kids too. And I think there, there's a lot of people out there who 
want to say for their kids. And I think that's a noble thing. I think it's a great thing that if a parent wants to do that. However, they also have credit card debt they're trying to pay off. They're trying to get rid of car loans and they're trying to get their own finances in order, but yet then they're trying to add this element of also saving for their kids. So I don't necessarily agree with that approach. I think you need to take care of you first. This is like the whole, and I think we've used this analogy. I think everyone uses this analogy. It's the whole being on the airplane and and putting your oxygen mask on first before you put it on, you know, the passenger next to you, the people that you know next to you or your, your kids next to you. This is the same thing. Like, I think the first thing, Sierra, I would recommend is just make sure that you're good. Like, you're, you, you're, your debts are good. You're comfortable. You have your emergency fund built like we talk about on the show. Uh, you're reaching your goals. You're saving for your future already. Um, because what I tend to feel is that some people tend to put the cart before the horse and they start saving some money for their kids. But yet again, they're, they're financially struggling and, and stressing out as well. So, um, but yeah, I think for me, it all kind of comes down to the goals for the, for the money. Like for, you notice I said, we're saving for our granddaughter, right? We saved nothing for our daughter. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we weren't in a position to do that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> right. So now, now that you are in a position, you're, you know, you're, you're able to do some of those things. And that's the same thing with us. Like we didn't start saving for our kids until we were completely out of debt. And even to the point of, we didn't start saving for them until our emergency fund was built and we started saving for retirement. Like we didn't start any of that stuff. So, and you know, when we talk about goals, like you really got to kind of think about what, what do you, what is your ultimate goal? Like for us, we're saving for college for our kids, but our goal is not to pay for all of it. It's just to help with some of it. We also have a separate investment account that we save in there for our kids to help them get an early start on retirement, especially when they get to their working years and they can start putting together a Roth IRA um, and they you know, they can start using some of this money and it already kind of gives them a little bit of a head start. So um, again, those are our goals. And I think as a family, you need to decide, okay, what is the, what are the goals for this money? And then what can we reasonably afford while still being able to reach our own financial goals, because here's the deal. You're going to retire one day. Like there's going to be a point in your life where you're not going to be able to work. And if you put your children's savings goals ahead of yours, you're going to wind up on their porch asking to live with them, right? We don't want that. We got to make sure you're taking care of yourself too. Ryan, what do you think? Yeah, I'm a terrible parent. My kids got nothing. <laughs> I mean, it it just it wasn't it by the time we were we were at the point where we were able to um all of my kids are were getting to the point where they were, you know, well in their way to high school and you know, on their way to college. Um I mean, not to say we've we've helped out in other ways, so I think, you know, for us there were ways, you know, we we purchased uh cars for them. And so things like that. So it wasn't necessarily money for school. Um, but so for us, it was just kind of going back to like what you both said, it's just what, what are your goals for the money? Like I'm a big believer. Had we, had we done it, we would have made sure whatever money we saved for them was put into something that was not strictly for them because it would have been for school. It would have been for certain purposes. And I sure as heck didn't want to give my 18 year old $50,000 just to go have fun because he doesn't want to go to school. That's not why we saved it. And so that would be some of my thought is like just putting some thought behind what is the real goal for the money? Because when, when they get it, you don't want to resent them for using it. So make sure that if it's for school, that that you set it up in a way that if they say, Hey, I don't want to go to school. Well, great. You can have that money and you're not giving them X amount of money to, to go do what they want with. Yep. And you bring up a good point. I think that's something that you really need to think about. Cause that's like one of our accounts that my, my older son, Noah, that's his account. He, we have control of it until he's 21 and 21, he gets it. 
Um, and I am going to, I'm not there yet because he's only 12, right? <laughs> but I am going to have to get to the point, both me and my wife are going to have to get to the point where we are, like Ryan said, comfortable with, hey, it's your money. This is what we would advise you to do. Now, between the ages of five and, you know, all the way up through 18, I'm definitely working with him and talking to him and having good financial conversations to hopefully give him, you know, the tools necessary in order to make some wise decisions with that money. So it's not like I'm not teaching him anything and I'm saying, good luck, you know, <laughs> make all the right decisions, right? <laughs> but even at the end of the day, I still know as a parent, I was 21 at one time too. You know, I know I made some really stupid decisions, so I have to prepare myself for that. So, yes, there are some things that you can set up for situations like that. Um, so, yeah, you, you really have to kind of think through some of those things. But, yeah, Sierra, I don't I wouldn't base it on a percentage. It's more or less like what's the goal and what can you reasonably afford with also being able to reach your own financial goals and w whatever those might be. All right. And I think too, and the one thing I would add is we, we carried a lot of guilt about not saving for our children, because I think that's just the society's thing of pressure of saving for your kids, like save money for your kids. You should do. And we didn't do that. Um, we doing what we did though, getting out of debt, modeling it. My oldest is going to, is on the, he's going to graduate debt free. He's paid for it all yeah. because we've been able to model that. So I don't, I don't want people to feel guilty that you didn't or or can't save for your kids because if you model this behavior, they're going to be okay. Yeah. They're going to make the right decisions. They're going to learn the right things. All of my kids have more money in their savings account at the ages they are now than I had just a few years ago, <laughs> you know, my whole life, you know? So by doing the right things and teaching them right things, they will do the right things. And so I, saving is awesome. And I, I think it's great if you can do it, but if you can't, I don't think you should feel guilty as long as you, is, if you model this, they're going to learn from you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I mean, that's yeah. It's it all led by example and being able to take those teachable moments and and being able to talk about money openly and how it works and yeah, totally right on. Yep. Next question is um uh let me make sure I got the right one. Okay, so this is uh, an anonymous question. It says, "How do I build my emergency fund and pay off debt if I'm already behind on bills? I'm not really sure where to start." Um, so there's, there's a couple of different strategies that I would suggest if, if I was this person, um, and it's going to kind of depend on what is behind on bills mean, right? So for me, like if, if you're behind on bills and, and these things are recently behind, like you're behind a few months on your mortgage or your electric bill or uh, car payment, whatever it might be, right? Uh, the fact is, is if you're already behind, it's going to be pretty hard to build an emergency fund savings and pay down debt and do the things that we're talking about on this show. So instead, you're, ultimately, your first goal is, is really to get caught back up. That's, that's step number one for you. If you're behind on bills, step number one is just you got to get caught back up. So I wouldn't even worry about anything else that we're talking about on this show. My main focus is income-producing activities. I'm spending most of my time trying to drive income into the household so I can get these bills completely caught up. All right. Once you're caught up, then you can start using the budget. You can start using some of the methods that we talk about. We mentioned the free workshop that we have on our website. You go check that out. It's going to kind of give you the step-by-step -step process. Then you can start concentrating on, you know, emergency funds and debt payoffs and things like that. But there's no way you're ever going to get ahead when you're starting from behind. All right. So you got to get caught back up. That's step number one. Now, if you're behind on bills that are, let's say, old, all right, they're years old. Let's say they're not even collecting on them anymore and you know that they're just out there. In that situation, I would say, let's focus on building your emergency fund and let's get your foundation built now. And that way we'll, we'll give you a much better foundation to fight these 
and to really start thinking about ways and strategies to pay them off. But what I see sometimes people doing is they start calling these places and then all of a sudden they wake up like this giant grizzly bear, right? And now they start calling and collecting again, which only adds on more stress, right? So if they're not collecting right now, if they're not consistently calling you and annoying you to try to get money, like let's just leave them alone for the time being and focus on like, okay, let's get ourselves in a good spot. So that way we can put ourselves in a much better position to uh, pay these things off. So the reality is though, is if, if you're behind and you don't have enough money to save for your emergency fund or, or pay down debt, the simple answer is you don't. And you really got to work on, on getting caught back up. Yeah, I think in these situations, I mean, I mean, we we were not behind, but it, I think it's still I think there were still things we did. Um, we sold things. There were things that we you know, so there's sometimes it's like, well, there's nothing I can do. I'm behind and I can't you know, I can't make any more money. And then meanwhile, you know, you may be sitting around the house and having things that, you know, are worth some money that you could get rid of and sacrifice and maybe get some money. So I think that's also something to kind of just look at is instead of just always, you know, income producing work, work, work. I mean, a hundred percent, that's what I'd be thinking of. I'd be working as much as I possibly could. Um, and if I have a partner, I mean, that's all we're thinking about is just, especially in this day and age with all the remote work now, I mean, there's so much opportunity. So many jobs are hiring where you can work from home. Um, I think there's a lot of opportunity there to, um, you know, just, you just got to get comfortable wanting to work, yeah. you know, to get kind of caught back up. Yeah. And remember that's short term. Short-term right. pain. It's not yep. work, 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 work forever for the rest of your life. You know, it's it's what can we do with really intense focus for a short period of time to get this situation corrected so that way we can get back on our feet. That's right. all you're looking for right now. Yep, short-term yep. pain. All right, our next question is from Debbie Nelson. Debbie says, I am a widow, and I would really like everyone um, to make sure you're listening to this question, all right? Um, this is... There's a, probably a lot more that we need to learn about from this question, but for those of you who are out there just maybe saying, ah, we're okay. We don't really need to work on any of this stuff or I think we're doing just fine and yeah, we got some things to pay off, but we're, you know, we're okay. This is the question I want you to listen to, all right? I'm a widow living on a fixed income. I've been trying to get out of debt for years. I have two different mortgages and a car payment. Uh, I'm trying not to use credit cards, but life happens and emergencies with things breaking down. Any suggestions on how to get out of this never-ending hole with would be appreciated. Also, I'm not able to work due to my health. And again, before we get to Debbie's question, again, I would just want to reiterate, these are the things that happen that really turn people who settle for, I'm just doing okay, or we're just getting by into immediate crises. It's health problems, loss of job not able to work, whatever it might be. And this is how quickly things can spiral out of control. So that's why I always say to those people who are kind of, you know, just hanging out and, and being, you know, knowing that they probably should put some work in, but they're just going to be a little lazy about it and just, you know, use the excuse, I'll get to it, do a different day. Those days are going to come where you wish you're going to have taken action. So this is an example, like take action, all right? Because these things happen to normal, good people every single day who didn't take action soon enough. So this is just a good example. So Debbie, um, full transparency, it's difficult for you. Um, with a limited income, this is gonna be extremely tough, but I can also tell you that it's not impossible. And I think the thing that you need to make sure is that you have your expectations set at a at an okay level, right? At a decent level based on your current situation. Uh, we've had plenty of people come through our program, Roots Personal Finance, and 
they have similar situations where they're on fixed incomes and they're able to make progress. Now, are they saving and paying off these tens of thousands of dollars in, you know, six months and 12 months and 18 months? A small percentage of them are, but the overall majority, it's 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 much smaller amounts because, again, they're on a fixed income. So the first thing I want to do is just give you a little hope that just because of your situation doesn't mean it's completely hopeless. I would just say be prepared for it just to take a little bit longer than most, but it doesn't mean that you can't have progress. So listen to this podcast. And in fact, I think on this question in our Life Without Payments group, I even gave her the link to this workshop that we just redid. Uh, go do the Life Without Payments workshop because that's going to give you kind of the basis of everything that you should be working on to help prevent this situation uh, from getting any worse. But for me, when I read this question, and unfortunately in this format, I, w- I would really like to know more because if there's two mortgages, I'm not really sure what that means. Do, is there two houses involved? Is there a mortgage, but then there's a second mortgage, like a home equity line of credit? Um, you mentioned a car payment like right now. And again, I'm not, I don't know the whole situation, but right now there's no better time to sell cars, right? I mean, you, you literally can make money on cars right now, which we don't see very often. Actually, I've never seen it unless you have like a rare car, right? Or a collector or something that's highly sought after. But for the most part, like right now, people are making money on selling vehicles, which is, which is crazy. Could you look at possibly getting out of your car payment and using the funds and some of the extra money that comes from that sale and buy yourself a much more affordable car where you lose a car payment. Again, not sure if that's an option, but just some things that I'm going to look at. Also, uh, possibly reducing any unneeded expenses as much as you can. Now, the only reason I say this is because people will always come to me, and again, Debbie, I'm not pointing the finger at you, but I see it all the time. People say, I, I don't have any money, I'm cutting everything I can, and then they send me their budget or they send me their bank statements and we find money, right? It's there. Um, And again, that may not be your case, but if it was me, I'm really going through my bank statements if you're using credit cards, which from your question, it sounds like you still are, really making sure that those transactions are truly like necessary transactions and they're not transactions made out of emotion because of the situation where you tend to overspend to make yourself feel better, Uh, and those types of things. So those are going to be some of the first things that I would suggest outside of going on our website and jumping into that Life Without Payments workshop. Yeah, I I think, so like you said, I think there's a lot to unpack. I mean, just again, looking at, you know, when we talk about mortgages, um, you know, given your situation, you're not able to work, you know, due to your health. I, I mean, I'm not, I don't know the situation fully, but if these are houses, if you're not able to work, I mean, it takes a ton of money and effort to maintain a home, uh, to keep it up. And so if you're not able to do that, especially in this housing market, um, I, I never tell people like, Hey, you should just sell your house, but we did it because it was right for us. It made a lot of sense for us. Um, and given the current housing market, given you know, what your home is, what it's worth, all that, that is something that's a possibility, especially if you have two homes involved here. I don't know if you do. Um, but that'd be something I'd be looking at is, you know, do you have one property that's a rental and you're trying to get it so to produce income, but you still have a mortgage. There's just, there's a lot of things that, uh, could be talked about depending on what that mortgage situation looks like. Um, especially if it is a home, and you can't maintain it, you know, maybe getting into some, something cheaper, a condo there. I mean, there's a lot of good options that you could potentially get yourself into um, and potentially make money on the house sale and pay off a lot of debt in the process of doing that. 
Right. And Debbie, if you're listening to this podcast episode, and I'm going to tag you in this when it's released finally, but uh, if you are listening to it, uh, make sure you send me, send us an email, you know, if you want to confirm these questions or, you know, we'll, we'll be happy to kind of point you in the right direction with a little bit more information. But those would be some of the basic things that I would do just off of the question alone, at least at this point. Uh, our next question comes from Eric. Is it, oh boy, is it Na- Napawaki? That's Napa- how I would say it. Napawaki. All right. Well, that's what Napawaki. we're going to go with, Eric. Sorry if I if I murdered your name. <laughs> I apologize. All right. Eric asks, some jobs require a direct deposit into a bank account. What are your thoughts about options you could do when you receive a paycheck? Would auto savings into various accounts be a good idea? Say things like emergency fund, utilities, project, goals, vacation. Is it a bad thing to have too many sinking funds? Good question. Oh, my God. I love that question. <laughs> what do you think, Amber? I think, I, I think, I mean, if, if whatever works for you to save your money, if it's, uh, if it just needs to be that automatic transfer, so you don't see it, don't touch it. Fantastic. I don't think there's such thing as too much sinking funds at all. I don't, if, if you're planning, that's the whole point is planning where your money's going to go. Yeah. I, I mean, so for me, when you, for like the audit, like the direct deposit, we've had direct deposit for years. That's how we've always been paid. Um, we adopted the envelope system, which kind of AKA sinking funds. It's kind of like in a, in a way it's similar. Um, and the way we handled it is we got paid every two weeks, every two weeks we would go to the bank. We would kind of calculate what our envelopes were and we would go to the bank every two weeks, take that money out and put it into our envelopes. And the rest of the money would stay in the checking account to kind of pay more of our fixed bills, like our rent or mortgage, um, you know, your electric bill, your gas bill, um, and a lot of the variable expenses like groceries or gas money, um, vacation, things that we would save for, that's all stuff that came out of envelopes. And so for that's how we ha- have always handled it. And it's really when, once we started doing the envelope system, that's when we started having a lot of success is just because it was very easy. Cause when we had started having cash, then it was like, okay, this goes into this category. We tried keeping it into the accounts, but just for us, our bad behaviors, just, we were always spending money and overspending and like, we only have a hundred and it's it, trying to calculate it on a spreadsheet. It was just easy to remove the money from the account, put it in envelopes. And then we phys- physically could say, we have this much money for new shoes and this is all the cash I have. Yeah. And see, so you're going to get Eric, uh, kind of a couple different viewpoints because we're kind of the complete opposite when it comes to our singing funds and all of ours are done just electronically. Um, so, uh, one of our banks, I guess that's kind of the key thing here with one of your questions. Is there, is it a bad thing to have too many sinking funds? I'm, I'm in agreement with Amber and, and really Ryan. I don't think there is. I think, I think the more sinking funds, the better, honestly, in, in a lot of cases, the key is, is like, you got to figure out like what your bank allows you to do. Like, what do they offer? What are their features? Do they tran- do they charge transfer fees and, and things like that? So you want to know kind of the nitty gritty details of the fee schedule from your bank to make sure. Like if you set up sinking funds and direct deposits and certain money gets put in here, like, and if you got to move money around, are they charging you for any of that activity, especially if it's over a certain amount of times? Like the, the bank that I'm with, they used to have, I believe it was either six or 10. I can't remember. It was either six transactions or 10 transactions a month that you could transfer in and out of the account. And if you went over that, they would charge a fee. Now, since then they've removed those fees, which is great for me. I love it. But Essentially, like one of our banks that we bank with where we keep our sinking funds at, they have what they call is, well, they call it buckets. But essentially, it's what Ryan said. It's an envelope system. So in one savings account, I can actually set up as many buckets as I want. And then when I say, okay, I want to transfer X amount of dollars on this date, 
I want you to take this many dollars. I want you to put it in this bucket. I want you to take this many dollars. I want you to put it in this bucket. And it'll basically do it automatically. The downside that used to happen with sinking funds is that when you transferred out, then you had to go back and manually calculate, okay, I transferred the money out. Now what do I have in each one? Not anymore because now this bank has upped, which by the way, I'm just going to say it's Ally Bank. They're amazing. I love them. But, (laughs) um, But now when you transfer out of the account, you can actually tell it, when I transfer the money out of the account, I want you to take it from these buckets. So it takes it from the appropriate budgeting categories that you're already putting sinking funds into. So for instance, over the holidays, we put money in there for the holiday spending. So when we transferred it over to our primary checking, I just put the transfer in and said, take it all from this bucket. When we have car repairs done and I transfer it over to my primary checking and I use my debit card to pay for the, the car repair, when I do the transfer, I transfer it out of the car repair sinking fund. So it's, it makes it like really, really easy. So for me, like, I don't think there's ever too many sinking funds. Um, I wish that my bank had those buckets. uh, I have like, I've maxed out on my accounts I can open. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Yeah. So a lot of people, if they don't have the bucket system, they have to open up separate savings accounts. Right. Um, So yeah, there's, there's the multiple savings accounts plan that you can do. I've had plenty of people do that. But again, the key is, is like Amber said, there could be some limitations, how many accounts you can have open. Um, what the limits in the accounts can be like, so you really got to just make sure you kind of do your homework on, on what your bank offers or, or your credit union, whatever you're using. Uh, but that's going to, that's going to be the key. But for me, I mean, I think, man, sinking funds are such a, with a, with a budget, which is ultimately what sinking funds is, is budgeting your money for future expenses. Um, in fact, it's the fifth tip of our five daily financial to do's is looking ahead at future expenses. I think sinking funds is the key to staying out of debt. It really is. Um, in fact, I think one of the reasons why most people are in debt is because of a lack of planning. Uh, you know, you know your car is going to need repairs. Yeah, we ain't going to save for that. We're just going to put on a credit card, right? <laughs> right? So it's the same It's same thing with everything. You know, you know your pet's going to eventually, you know, need to go to the vet. Well, we're not going to save for that. We'll just figure it out when it gets here. Well, that's how people get into debt. So the more you create sinking funds as your cash flow increases, as you get out of debt, the better and easier things get and the less likely you are to go back into debt for those normal expenses that are going to come up. So great question, Eric. I love that question. And uh, glad you are uh, really kind of being proactive with this and thinking sinking funds because they are really, really uh, helpful in uh, reaching financial freedom. All right. uh, Next question is James. James says, hey, guys, love the podcast and love that you guys are just normal people. How about that? Thanks, James. So I've been listening. See, did you hear Amber's dog in the back? See, we're normal, right? (laughs) 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 See, James says, so I've been listening and I've got a question about a regular income. My paychecks are always different because of the type of work that I do. This makes budgeting even more challenging. How would I handle this? Now, Amber, I know for a fact that you make a regular income. So can you share with James like what you do um, and what's helped you? Oh my gosh. I used to be the same. I was, I didn't know what I was going to make and it something happened. And then I was like, Oh my gosh, now I got to redo everything. Now I know exactly what I make for month to month. And I have an irregular income. Um, so whatever I made in January, I didn't touch. I don't touch it. It just accumulates in my bank account. And that's, and then whatever that total is, is what I pay myself in February. And then so on and so forth. So whatever I'm making this month, I'm not touching until March. So I know exactly, like I knew it coming into January that December was really crappy and January was going to be tight. 
And I just knew and I was able to plan for it. Yep. So we call it the month behind system. And for a regular income earners, this is a thing that we actually teach inside Roots in our budgeting module. Um, but it is called the month behind system. And for people who make a regular income, uh, this is a way to take away all of the stress and the unknowns because you're no longer wor- you're not working with numbers that you're guessing. You're working with real numbers. As Amber said, if you are able to hold all of your income for the month of January and then at the end of January, calculate how much of that income you're going to you know, pay yourself or give yourself if you run your own business or let's say it's commission or bonuses from your regular job, whatever it might be. You just sit on it for a month until the end of the month comes and you say, okay, this is how much I made. This is what I'm going to pay us and this is what we're going to use to fund our February bills. All right. Now, the key to getting this started, this is the hard part. This is the hard part for most people, especially if you're living paycheck to paycheck is you've got to give enough money together to sit on for a month to let the current month's money that's coming in sit without touching it. That's the hardest part. And this is why we teach this method in Roots, because if you're listening to this, you're like, this sounds confusing. It really isn't when you really look at it. We actually give a visual of how this works. Um, but the other thing you can do too is if you don't do the month behind system or say it's going to take you some time to work there, uh, but you can also use historical data. And this works for a lot of people too. So uh, if you're working, again, a commission-based business, let's say, you know, you could be a realtor, you could be, you could run your own business, you could have side hustles. I mean, it, there's so many different variations of irregular income. You could go back the last six to 12 months or longer and get a monthly average, especially if your job is seasonal, like, and you see uh, ebbs and flows of your income where some months you get in the, you know, the the peaks and it's like really good. And then there's some months where you hit the valleys and it's like really low, Right. You want to make sure that you're kind of thinking about it season, you know, the seasonality of, of whatever job it is that you have too. But you go back and you look at the last six to 12 months, 18 months, two years, however long you've been in your job or however much data you can collect. And you just come up with a monthly average that you're satisfied with, that you can at least start with to do your budget. All right. But what too many people end up doing is say, well, I make a regular income, so I just don't do a budget. In fact, irregular income owners are the number one people that need to have a budget because their income is irregular, right? That's completely backwards thinking. You really need to have a plan because you need to know what your expenses are going to be, what your savings goals are going to be to reach your goals. Like you need to know like what is that amount, that nut amount that I need to bring in in order to cover all this stuff. And then if you're not going to cover it, then you need to have a plan of, okay, what am I going to do if we can't cover it? Are there things that we're just not going to save for? Do I need to go out and make extra money? But sitting here twiddling your thumbs and saying, well, we'll just see what happens. That's going to be a recipe for disaster. And that's what a lot of people do. And they get themselves further and further into debt, right? So with a, just a good plan, just using a good estimate, a good budget, and you're prioritizing that budget from most important to least important, or yeah, most important to least important, um, that's going to be key. But either the month behind system or using uh, those averages are going to be the best. Yeah, this question is timely only because my oldest is graduating college and he has irregular income and the job and that's the job he's going to stay working at after he graduates. And so we're actually having this conversation right now about like, how do you how do we do this? And, I, you know, so I think. Um, you know, the month we've talked about the month behind system, you know, he has sometimes where he could go like multiple months where he has pretty lean time. So we've talked about, you know, building up, not really a quote unquote savings account, but kind of that, that account where maybe he has, you know, two to three months worth of income in it. And if he has a month or two lean, 
then he can draw from that to kind of make up the difference. But then when he has that month, my wife was in real estate years ago and there were those months where it was like, we're rich because she had an awesome <laughs> month, you know? And so we didn't have a plan for the money and we just were like, Hey, this is awesome. And then the next three or four months were pretty lean. And so just having that, you know, knowing that when you have those big months like that, you kind of replenish that, that, that kind of nest egg. So that way you kind of can just keep drawing from that when you have those lean months. So that's those two things of what we've been discussing with him of how to budget. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. For a regular income earners, you, you, you bear more weight. You do. I mean, you, you have to keep your finger and and you're on the pulse of what's happening with your finances in and out month after month, because uh, like Ryan said, you can have some of those really bad months where income's not coming in the way you want it to, um, and, and things can get scary pretty, pretty quickly. So the other thing too is, you know, again, this is why we talk about, you know, having a large emergency fund or, you know, even going to the extent of like what you guys are talking about with, you know, your son, Josh is, is building up almost like a, almost another layer of emergency fund for it's right. almost an income emergency fund essentially is what you're building. Um, right. those are all, those are all great things, uh, to have. So again, just because you make a regular income, it, it doesn't mean you're, you're, it doesn't mean you get out of this. Like you got to pay attention even more, I think. So, all right. Next question is, uh, Samantha Wilson. This is our last question of today's show. She says, Brad, I've been working on my plan for a bit now, but I'm frustrated with medical bills. Uh, I've got two children, one who has special needs, and it seems like the medical bills are never ending. You guys talk about debt freedom, but I just don't see how that's possible when I constantly need to get my child care and the medical debt seems just never ending. So good question. Um, you guys have any thoughts on this? Of course I do, but <laughs> what are your guys' thoughts on this? Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, this is, this is tough. I mean, this is, this is another one of those situations where, um, you know, when we talk about, you know, debt freedom and we talk about paying off debt, the large majority of people, um, are, you know, kind of like, like us, we, we did it to ourselves. Like we, we did a lot of bad made a lot of bad choices with money. And then there are situations like this where it's just like, I mean, medical debt, especially in the United States is one of, can be a big cause for financial stress. I mean, it is, it is a killer when it comes to this stuff. Um, I mean, you probably have the most experience Brad out of all this, (laughs) um, when it comes to, when it comes to this, um, I mean, for us, we've not, we've not had to go through this. So, you know, I can't, I can't necessarily offer any great, um, you know, it just, I, I don't have, I don't have like a great, um, answer because I don't have that. I don't have, I can't speak from experience, um, of this sort of like consistent, like, you know, cause I, I just know medical, I mean, we have, we just, even the small medical stuff we have done as a family and I get the bills and I'm like, so I can't imagine having special needs child. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty intense. And I mean, and, and you're right. I mean, I think, you know, here in the U S Amber, I mean, you want to talk about Canada? You probably upset us all. <laughs> Amber's in Canada, so she has a completely different situation than all of us. But yeah, here in the U.S., I mean, the medical bills are a beast. And uh, I believe medical bills are, are essentially, because of the situation here in the United States, is the one debt you cannot avoid. I, I just, I believe that. Like, at some point, I think we all are going to be faced with some sort of medical bills and medical debt, whether you have insurance or not. Um and unfortunately, it's just one of those things that we have to deal with. Now, I will say that doing a lot of the things that we talk about in this show will help reduce a lot of the stress 
from those medical bills because you're not going to be dealing with car payments and credit cards and all sorts of other things along with medical bills. Wouldn't it just be nice if you just had to navigate and just figure out medical bills as opposed to everything else? Yes, right? Less on the plate, the better. But um, the reason I can relate to this because I too have a special needs daughter. And so I totally understand the medical bills. In fact, this uh, has been something that has bothered me for years since we've had our daughter. Uh, but I've come to the conclusion that we will we will always have medical bills. <laughs> like we're never. I don't. I wish to say that we might get to a point because she's doing so good that we might get to a point where we don't have any. But we have to regularly go to the doctor. We have to regularly get her care, and then we have to regularly have just her as a child. Like back in the summer, she slammed her finger in the door, heavy, super heavy door by our garage nearly severed the entire tip of her finger off. Oh. And we had to take her to the emergency room. Do you want to know how much it costs to go to the emergency room here in the United States for and get six stitches? Our bill was $4,000 for six stitches. You should have been in my house that day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you should have heard the words that were coming out of my mouth that day. But seriously, that's how bad it is. And... Again, we're self-employed, which makes it even worse. So we have, you know, we have to get our own insurance, which the high, we are high deductible. Like, our, I wouldn't even call what we have is, ins- it's technically not insurance. It's just not insurance. It's disaster. It's a disaster of policy, right? So um, I think the key here is, is that it's okay. You know, you, you everyone has their own situations and financial freedom to you with a special needs child might mean that I'm debt-free outside of having to get care for my child. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you can't beat yourself up for that. And you, it's a failed system. The system here in the United States sucks. And it sucks even more for people who have special needs, kids with special needs, can't necessarily always qualify for the care. Like, for instance, we've tried to get our daughter special needs like insurance here in the state of Wisconsin. Uh, they have different programs uh, because – as a family, we make too much money to qualify for state insurance, but they have a next level where you can qualify, but it's based on the amount of disability that the child has. So even though that she's been diagnosed with cerebral palsy and she has all these diagnoses, that's still not good enough. They won't give us the insurance for her because she's not disabled enough to get it. (laughs) So here we are spending all of this money to get her the care that she needs. And this is the care that's gotten her to where she is today and now we're being penalized because she's not disabled enough to continue to get help, right? So um, as a family, I could totally relate to the frustration that you might be dealing with with this. So uh, for us, we've just gotten comfortable with the fact like we, there's gonna there's some months where we get them all taken care of and then all of a sudden, bam, we just get more, right? And it's just, it is what it is. Um, and uh, this is just part of having kids, especially special needs kids. And for me, it just has become something, and again, originally when we first had her and we started getting these bills because I was so adamant about not having debt, man, this ate away at me. It's like, I got to figure out how we're going to pay this stuff off. Like, we can't have this. And eventually, I just got to the point, it's like, I'm an idiot. <laughs> like, there's, there's no way that we're ever going to get to the point where we're free and clear on just a regular, normal basis. Like, we again, we might go a few months here and there, maybe even get to a point to having a year, but... The medical bills, again, being self-employed, is it's tough. So I would just suggest to you, continue to keep doing what you're doing. Focus on paying off the credit cards. Focus on paying off car loans. Focus on building your emergency fund savings. And, and you do your best 
with the medical bills. Also, when it comes to the medical bills, making sure you're reaching out to the facilities to make sure that they don't have any additional resources that you can't take advantage of. Things like, um, you know, uh, financial help. I mean, there's so many different things out there. Yes, it takes time. It takes a lot of work and energy to do it, but it could be a good payoff for you as well to see if there's any ways that you can get some of those medical bills reduced. Um, but yeah, my message to you is don't beat yourself up. Just stick with it. It's hard, um, but focus on all the other things and and that's good enough. It really is. Hey, if you love planners, this is for you. But do you know why planners frustrate me though? Because they only get it half right. Now sure, they're really fancy at helping you manage your time, which is really important, but where they get it wrong is money. Most planners don't include any financial planning. Things like keeping track of paydays, bills and due dates, spending, yearly expenses, budgets, cash flow planning, debt elimination plans, goal planning. And that's a real pain. Then you've got to go and create your own. And who's got time for all of that? So instead, what happens? Nothing. We ignore our finances even more and things only get worse. Well, that all ends right now today. I am so excited to announce the release of our brand new, totally awesome Debt Freedom Planner. Now, before you say, Brad... I've already got a planner. Well, this is not your ordinary day planner. This debt freedom planner is a companion tool that works with your day planner to help you save more money, pay off more debt, and melt away financial stress. This is literally the tool that we've all been waiting for that works with your planner to help you take control of your money. So head on over to therealdebtfreedad.com. Click on the debt freedom planner in the menu to get all the details to order your very own debt freedom planner today. Hey, hey, what's this I see? It's time for the celebrations of the show. And today we're kicking it off with Jill Flickinger Brown. She says, I finally got my $500 bonus. I just signed up for another three month overtime contract working from home today. And I canceled Netflix. Wow. That's a big one at the end, but I, I love the income producing activities, but canceling Netflix. That's a, that's a big one for a lot of people. So congratulations for you. Tiffany Polisos. I cut off DoorDash. And I swear it's saving us 150 to $200 a week. She says we had a bad habit. Yeah, I would say so. But good for you. Good for you. That's a huge change. And man, think about that. 150 to $200 a week. Think about what that's going to be over a month and what you guys are going to be able to do with that money now. How incredible of a feeling that is going to be. Uh, great win, Tiffany. Uh, Kristen Helg got my emergency fund up to $1,500 and paid $500 on one of my credit cards this week. Awesome. Way to go, Kristen. Sonia Brown dropped my phone bill, canceled Amazon Prime, did my budget for this month, paid $200 into my credit card and haven't spent one penny, not one penny on eating out. This was always a daily issue for me. <laughs> Sonia Brown, those are some fantastic wins. Keep crushing it. That's great. Amy Bosch Whitney paying $550 on our bed today, which means we only have, we only owe $550 more. Our bet is a 0% interest loan of $4,200. Pretty soon, we will be sleeping debt-free. Yeah, how about that? I've always found that fascinating, people taking out loans to sleep on a mattress. <laughs> I mean- I did it. <laughs> I know, I know, but I'm, I am I can't remember if I did it on my- I don't think I ever did. I think, I think the first- Yeah, I think that's one thing I never had to take debt out on. Because I think the mattress that I had before- 
we bought this one was the one from my mom and dad when I moved out. <laughs> so it was paid for. It was given to me as a second or as a hand-me-down. But I think this one, obviously this one we paid cash for, but that's one thing I could say I never did. But I've always found that fascinating when you go to a mattress store and they've got that sign out there. It's like 0% interest or or low low interest for six years or what I was like. Imagine sleeping on a bed that you don't own and, and causing stress. <laughs> it's like, that just doesn't, that just doesn't seem right. <laughs> uh, Sandy Kurtz, Jarrett. I helped my sister, Stacy Kurtz, get registered for Roots. Now we can hold each other accountable and make this journey together. That is awesome, Sandy. Congratulations. I love that. We've got uh, best friends in Roots of Personal Finance now. We've got siblings joining Roots of Personal Finance now. It's so awesome to see that. Uh, it's just a lot of amazing things happening there and uh, huge congratulations to you guys. And remember to get all the resources, show notes and links for today's show, head over to balancecentscom forward slash one, one, three. That's again, B A L A N C E D C E N T S.com forward slash one, one, three, get all the information on our planner, on our brand new live without payments workshop. That's free for you guys to take. Uh, you go check that out uh, on the website. And again, thanks for hanging out with us here today. We love your feedback and it also helps us grow our podcast. So please leave us an honest review. We read every single one of those. And as you guys know, the Debt-Free Dad podcast is here to help you live a happier and stress-free financial life. So if you know someone who could benefit from our show, please give us a share. We appreciate you. And we will see you guys on an upcoming episode. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Debt-Free Dad podcast. For more free resources to kick debt and financial stress, head over to therealdebtfreedad.com. 